guys. Welcome to another episode of the Sheepdog Country Podcast. This is your boy, Big Country. I'm your host. And, uh, you know, I'm rocking that, uh, that Mighty Morphin Power Rangers from back in the day. You know, the 90s kid coming out, the OGs, the GOATs of all the Power Rangers. Um, if you're not a Power Rangers fan, I really don't care. If you think it's silly that a almost 40-year-old man is uh, wearing Power Rangers stuff, I really don't care. Um, and I got my four-year-old son into it, so me and my four-year-old get to sit there and watch it, and I get to be nostalgic and all that stuff, because it came out when I was eight years old, and so um, it's really awesome. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about something that is pretty heavy. Um, we don't really talk about this kind of stuff a lot on Sheepdog Country, and uh, not because we avoid it, but... Just it's a heavy subject, and it's been misrepresented, misinterpreted, um, not only in recent years but in years past. Okay, so what we're talking about is mental health, and I don't claim to be an expert on the subject. I don't. Uh, as as a pastor, uh, a youth pastor, um, I'm seeing a lot more and more of it. Kids dealing with mental health issues. Um, but also, um, it's not the kids that have like a terrible upbringing. The kid, these kids that went through COVID and didn't see people's faces for two years or became shut-ins during COVID and had to do school from home and all that stuff. It really changed how they viewed life. And the great part about the job that I get to do is I get to see and I get to uh, try to help these kids. I'm also a, a uh, faith-based life coach. And so I get to help out. One of my biggest thing about life, like money's great, all that good stuff. My number one goal in life is to help other people out. I love people. I love seeing people get life change and to see them succeed and see them filled with joy not just happiness not just oh i bought a new toy and i'm happy but that joy that only comes from jesus and uh anyways um i just want to talk about that because it's such a huge thing in our culture right now see a lot more people coming out saying that they've had mental health struggles and there's still a a kind of a cultural like ugh towards mental health and people admitting that they have mental health issues because anytime anybody talk like back in the day, anytime somebody talked about mental health issues, it was like um either they were mentally ill as in like psycho. Or they were mentally disabled, like, you know, mentally retarded or had Down syndrome or something like that. Now, I don't use retarded in a bad way. I'm just saying that's what we grew up calling it. Um, and so, also, I mean, even, even back when I was growing up, it, it was... 
it was really frowned upon for guys to, and especially where I grew up in the South. I grew up, Greg's very old school. It it was a really looked down upon thing for a man to cry. Right? Like, you, you cut, you injure yourself, or you have, you know, a crap week, or your girlfriend breaks up with you, whatever. Like, it was really looked down upon for a guy to show any emotion whatsoever, unless it was anger or, like, bliss. That's, that's the only two emotions guys were allowed to show or culturally acceptable for them to show. And, you know, I grew up in a place where I didn't... So, my mom and my dad divorced very early. Like, I think in the first year of my life. I don't know exactly when the date was, but I know it was finalized on my mom's birthday. And if it was the first year of my life, then I was probably just just shy of five months old. If not, I was just shy of 17 months. Um, and... That all that happening, of course, I'm a kid, I don't know any of that stuff. My dad was always there. Um, I always got to see him, he's always around. He always took his weekends. Like, if it was my weekend to go there, I know that he's come pick me up. And, um, love my dad, love my mom. Um, around first grade year. My mom started dating a man, uh, actually kindergarten, started dating a man that summer. They got married. We moved in with him, started first grade. And then first grade to um, the fall of my sophomore year of high school, we lived with him. About, I don't know, maybe third or fourth grade. I guess his patience with me kind of wore off. Um, he started degrading me like every day of the week. Um, and it was, it was really sad. And by the time I got to about 12, 13, right around there, um, I was, I had no self-confidence whatsoever, nothing. And, Walked in and I looked, I was in the kitchen looking for something and I pulled open the drawer and it had, you know, our steak knives and stuff in it. And like right then, the enemy, Satan, tried to get me to kill myself. Because I felt worthless. I honestly did. I didn't know anything about God. I didn't know anything about who I was created to be, 
purpose in my life had none. And that was really used against me for a long time. I remember sitting in that moment and I was like, I just end it all right now. Whatever. Don't have to listen to my stepdad anymore. And thankfully, um, I truly believe this. God showed me an image of what would happen to my mom if that happened to me. Or if I carried that out. And essentially, she would follow suit. Because I was the only steady thing in my mom's life. I was her reason to live. I'd love to get my mom on here to talk about this one day, but it's so hard. And so when, uh, after that happened, I mean, it was a couple more years. My mom finally divorced my stepdad and you know, I, and I don't, I'm not, I'm not an advocate for divorce in any case except for abuse. Um, I think uh, adultery can be forgiven. Uh, finances are finances. No matter how much money you make on this earth, you will never take it to heaven. So, um, I mean, it's stressful, obviously, but there's no reason to divorce. Um but in the case of abuse, the divorce saved my mom and myself. And so we uh, we decided to um, leave and uh, my the beginning of my junior year, I moved in with my sub with my real dad. Because my mom moved to a town that was a rival of my prior town. And it wasn't a good situation school-wise or whatever. So I moved in with my dad. And um, that was 2011, fall of 2011. And what, a month into school, 9-11 happened. And so, the very next day on nine twelve, they were doing a revival at the church up the street, and uh, my coach invited us, and that's where we all got saved. And my mentality changed because I never knew how much somebody loved me. Somebody like, like God loves you. If if you've never heard this before, God loves you. The Bible says He knows everything about you. He has more thoughts about you than grains of the sand in the desert. In the desert, the Bible says that He sent His Son. His only begotten, the only one he has to die on the cross for you. 
not to condemn you, but so that you would not perish and have everlasting life. He so loved the world. He knows every intricate thing about you. And so I'm sitting here looking at this and I'm like, man, I've never felt that love before. God filled my heart with his love. And I'm not saying life is roses all the time. There's still there's still conflict, there's still struggle. There's just like we still have to deal with the government. We always will until Jesus comes back. We're gonna have to deal with the government. But the thing about it is is that we have a choice of how we deal with the government. We can uh, hate them, say this world's going to hell in a handbasket, all that stuff, or we can pray for them. And we can, like, I pray for our government. I pray for leaders in power. Because if God changed their heart, if they would let him in and he would truly change their heart, then we wouldn't be in the situation that we're in. If Joe Biden let God come in and change his heart, he wouldn't be sniffing little girl's hair. He wouldn't be listening to all these people. His mental health would be a lot better. Now, anyone claiming that he's a Catholic and everything, He has nothing to do with the church. He doesn't know God at all. Everyone in that White House is completely working for their side. There's still hope for them. They can still, it's never too late. We literally just came back from a man's camp um, where this kid is 25 years old. Literally, long story short, he sold his soul, made a blood covenant with Satan in order to become a famous tattoo artist. That's crazy. And not, not kidding. He said overnight, things started happening. Fall in place. All the things that he wanted. The money. The drugs, the beer, the girls, everything. Over and over and over and over and over. And he went to a convention in Denver and was there. I can't remember what happened. If somebody prayed, his little brother got radically saved. And so his little brother prayed for him before he left. And he just had a God encounter. And he's like, I can't, can't do this. Like, Jesus came into him. Here's the thing. He made a deal for his soul. Guess what? You don't own your soul. God does. There's, Satan knows the Bible. He knows a lot about humanity. He knows how to manipulate and get you to think certain ways. 
but he can never take your soul because he doesn't you don't own it he doesn't own it your soul is owned by God okay if anybody anyone out there has done this blood covenant thing with Satan and you're watching this you can always turn that quick okay but and now and that was three three years ago and now he's on fire for God and just awesome awesome stuff but back on the mental health I've been there I know what I know what it's like and you're saying, well, I, I don't believe in Jesus. I don't do it. There's other ways to work on it, too. But it'll never be healed. It'll never be completely, your mental health will never be completely restored until you allow Jesus to get into you and heal what's going on. I told you you're my life coach. And you work with people and tell them, like, help them get down to where the hurt start. I've forgiven my stepdad a long time ago. That's a big step. That's forgiving. And not letting the the chains that other people put on you hold you down for the rest of your life. Forgiving people. It's really hard. Sometimes almost impossible. But everything's possible if you just trust in God. I work with people and I and we get them to go back to where the pain started and what we do is we interject help them understand how to let God heal okay um, with so I, I approach mental health from that point from Jesus And there's a part of what I do is kind of therapy, a little therapeutic. Um, I'm not a licensed therapist or counselor or anything like that. And I don't claim to be, but I'm a minister of the gospel and a life coach. And how people see things In life is not necessarily a perspective that God has on things and when when we let God come in and change our perspectives and heal those parts of us that were so tortured as a child see everybody everybody talks about how you uh, you're dealing with all this stuff and all this strife and all this Anger and bitterness and just worthlessness inside. What the issue is is that all those external things going on are just Satan trying to play off the damage that's already been done. I made this connection a couple of weeks ago when I was going through a coaching session myself. 
Okay, I had someone else coaching me. And God just told me, like, the people that hurt you in the beginning, Satan uses them to hurt you, but he reminds you of that pain constantly. Until that pain gets healed, it's a constant reminder. But if you continue down that path, you're, you will never escape from it. It's a constant reminder. You're terrible. You're never going to amount to anything. But if you work on the inner child that part, we all have in your children. Okay. I'm a big 6'4", 330 guy. And there's an inner child inside of me. Okay. My pastor said it when I, when I was getting married to my wife. He said, this guy is a big, intimidating man. But inside, he's just a scared little boy. And I thought he was talking about something, but he was so prophetic in that moment. Because even though I'd forgiven my stepdad and forgiven him for all the things that he said and all the things he did, and, and if I would have walked in not forgiving him and still living daily, daily on you're terrible, you're blah, 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 you're this, you're that, then I would never have succeeded for 13 years of my marriage. My wife's the best thing that ever happened to me outside of Jesus. And so now we got Jesus. When we, when we get into our inner child, we have Jesus come and talk through our inner child. I hope people see where that hurt originated. And like, if this is the hurt, there's a vein that's attached to that hurt. Okay? If you're, if you're hurt and all you're doing is treating the symptom up here, it's never going to work. But if you allow that symptom to be invaded by God's love, or, or that that hurt that initial point, because you gotta get you, you gotta go back to when it originated. Most of it originated in our childhood. Wounded children produce wounded adults. Okay, and only way for that to heal is if we get some healing for the inner child, right? So I'd go back. I'd go back to a memory where I was scared and I was angry and I was just, I had my eyes closed and I was looking right in this memory and my inner child, my like 12, 13-year-old self turned dead at me to let it go. And it was I was able to heal from that. And there's going to be days where that enemy tries to reattach that pain. But 
that's where Jesus comes in. He doesn't have authority to grab back onto that pain. And you have to know who you are in Christ. That's a huge step. And if you're not sure who you are in Christ, we'll probably do another video because there's a long list of things about who you are in Christ. But I can tell you one thing. You're a victor, not a victim. You're an overcomer. And if you are in Christ and you believe that he died and rose again and he saved you from your sins, you have Holy Spirit that's in you, the helper, that come to help you so that you can do above and beyond the things that Christ did, that's pretty awesome. On top of that, you have millions of people in this world that believe the same thing, and you're part of that family. Are we all perfect? No. I'm a pastor. I'm a youth pastor. Talked about this with a friend uh, last night, and uh, or yesterday, sorry, and uh, told him, you know, I try. I try my best to do everything I can to help people to um, not... Uh, not manipulate or um, make someone feel a certain way or to not offend people. But the reality of it is, is I'm a human. I'm going to offend people. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to be big country. <laughs> and there, there's also things that I believe to my foundation that are biblically sound that we'll get into later, but my political beliefs I believe are biblically sound and there's a part of politics that I believe if you believe in that side and you vote certain ways, there's no way you can call yourself a Christian. Because these people don't align with any biblical values whatsoever. And we'll get down on that. But there's some people that would be really offended about that. But my intent is never to hurt anybody. No pastor's intent should ever be to hurt anybody or to manipulate anybody. If that is their intent, they shouldn't be a pastor. There's a lot of priests that shouldn't be priests because they can't handle the call of Paul in their life. They can't be celibate all their life. There's a reason why the Catholic Church has thousands of priests that are under you know, investigation for sexual molestation of children. Because they put this stupid rule in place, a religious, legalistic rule, that priests can't get married. And they call it biblical. It's not biblical. There's nothing in the Bible that says a pastor, a priest, bishop, 
elder, anything, should not get married. It says, for those who choose not to get married, they are blessed. And the reason why is because they have the ability to work in the kingdom free of obligation to other things. It's fantastic. And for those who cannot resist the temptation, get married. I got married because I need me the love of a woman in my life. Okay? And that's all we got to be. There's a lot of priests that if they had the love of a good Psalms 31 biblical woman in their life, there's a lot of kids that would never have to gone through what they did. And there's a lot of kids that would not be scarred by somebody in the church and be light years away from even wanting to approach a relationship with God because of what some someone did. It's terrible. But anyways, guys, I hope you enjoyed it today. I know at the end we got a little rambling, but um, it's a good thing. Love you guys. We'll talk to you next time. Peace.